I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. Every week on this show, I speak to a powerful woman about her journey to unlocking her own potential. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. Follow us on Instagram at The Brand is Female and visit thebrandisfemale.com. Before we start, just a little reminder that on May 14th in Toronto, we are hosting our first In Conversation with the Brand is Female, featuring our guests Janet Zucrini and Najwa Zibian. It's going to be a lot of fun. Visit our website for a link to buy your ticket and use code EARLY15 to get 15% off. This week, my guest is the uber-cool Shannon Hamblin. She's a scriptwriter, director, and producer based out of L.A. And this is the weird thing about life, is that you think you want something, and you can create a million different ways that that's going to happen for you. And then, that's right, (laughs) it doesn't, you can't even begin to fathom. Yeah how something is going to happen Mm -hmm. for you. She co-wrote what was named the third best X-Files episode of all times, season 11, episode seven, to be precise, if you'd like to check it out. Shannon has been working closely with Glenn Morgan, executive producer of the X-Files since 2013, when he discovered a feature script she wrote. She's worked with Morgan as a writer's showrunner's assistant on Amazon's series Lore. Prior to that, she produced two feature films after working several years in production, and Shannon is now wrapping up post-production on her debut short film, Texas Two-Step, which she wrote, directed, and produced. It's planned to be released later this year in the fall of 2019. I definitely wanted to be an actress. I, I, that was what I wanted to be. I would pretend to do commercials around the house, you know, I would be like, hey, this Pepsi's delicious, isn't it? Why don't you have one for yourself? You know, I would do these little <laughs> pretend commercials. And my family would be like, oh, God, here she goes again. I was raised Mormon. Uh, so we And where go- did you grow up? Houston, Texas. Okay. Yeah. So we would go to church, and they have this thing called um, fast and testimony meeting. It's, I want to say, once a month, but people would get up, and they would share their people from the congregation they would speak at the microphone they would share their stories of how the church had you know they would bear their testimony about Mm. the church and then like a total jerk I would go home that night and I would be like okay everyone who's this and I would reenact the people who were bearing their spiritual souls that's amazing and I would totally just like do them you know and it was but I wanted to be an actress, so okay. I studied acting, I, I did um, tournaments through junior high school, I, um, there was an incident in my high school where my mother told me I couldn't uh, join the theater group because one, she didn't like the teacher, oh. and the teacher did end up being, you know, like, allegedly a pedophile. Me, okay, like, in, yeah. I was going to say Me Too situation, that's kind of yeah, but 10. Yeah, yeah, it was, that's allegedly, mm. and he's kind of disappeared and whatever. So um, my mother wouldn't let me do it, and, and that kind of created a problem for me. But I, I loved film. My mother will watch anything. Like, she loves movies. She loves books. Um, I think 
also writing. My mom gave me a journal when I was really young, mm. and she was like, put all your feelings in this and express yourself, and I would get chosen at school to read my paper in front of people. So mm. writing, I think, and acting were always a big thing. I don't think I really understood what a director was or mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. a producer was at that time. Um, I, I, I wanted to go to acting school. I went to ACT. Um, I went to the National Theater Conservatory for a summer intensive. Okay. Um, and then... I just started working in production because I didn't enjoy acting in front of people. Hmm. I liked doing it, mm. but I didn't know how I could... I, I knew I couldn't do it mm. as a life thing. I felt like I was a good actor, but I just felt like... I was like, I don't think I can do this. Mm. So... I started working in production um, as a PA. And were you still in Texas, or had you moved to California at that point? Oh, I had moved to California by that point, for (laughs) sure. I didn't make it very long in Texas. Mm. After I graduated high school, I tried to do a year of college at the University of Texas in Austin, and I just didn't, I couldn't Mm. do it. Um, So I moved to California then. Um, And... I started working as a PA and then just sort of working my way through production. Mm -hmm. And then I understood what a producer was and I thought, oh, I just want to be a producer. Mm. Um, All the while I'm writing my own little things and this and that. And um, I put this little book together called This Gruesome Heart. I did a one woman show. Wow. Um, I made short films. Okay. I did, um, I recorded four songs. Wow. You know, that I, that I wrote and worked with musicians and mm. recorded. Um, so I was still always doing all these artsy things, but I knew I had to have a job. Mm. You know, I didn't have anyone supporting me. And production became my job. Okay. So I worked my way up through production. And then it really wasn't only until this year when I directed my first real short film that's in post-production right now mm-hmm. that I was like, oh my God, this is what I have wanted to do my whole life. Mm. I never knew it mm. until I did it. And even I was like, can I even do this? And then I got on set and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. Mm. This is so great. And I love writing. And the way I think of it is like this. Writing is like running a marathon. Okay. You're by yourself. You get in the zone. Mm. You like have to do all these things to keep yourself going, you're, you chal- you're so mm-hmm. up against a challenge of yourself, you know, is it good, is it bad, I don't mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. there's nobody there yeah. with you, yeah. it's, it's very lonely, yeah. directing is like being on a team, mm. like playing sports, it's like a team sport, you have all these mm. people who are great at what they do, and you, you're not better you're just the captain of the team so it's like I played basketball so Mm. it's like 
you're the forward, you're the best dribbler, mm-hmm. you get the rebounds, everybody has their job to do, mm-hmm. and you just get to coordinate it, but you get to be with all these amazing creative people, mm-hmm. and that's what, for me, it was just like, oh my God, I love this, mm-hmm. I love these people, I love what they do, I'm so grateful for them, I appreciate it so much, and how all of that thing can come together and then be this beautiful visual story. Mm. It's like making a baby. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Just as fun. That you don't have to pay college for. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. That you don't have to put through school. (laughs) So did you, and you've written for some pretty big shows. And when I was reading your bio, the one that stuck with me, because I was a huge X-Files fan when I was younger. My dad got me into X-Files. How did you get your, what you consider your first big break in the world of writing? Yeah, um, me too. My mother loved the X-Files. I grew up watching it. I loved it. It was quirky, but mm. science-y, yeah. smart and clever, and I loved it too. So it was like an iconic show for me. Um, so, and this is the weird thing about life, is that you think you want something, and you can create a million different ways that that's going to happen for mm-hmm. you. And then, that yeah. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't, you can't yeah. even begin to yeah. fathom yeah. how something is going to happen mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the part of letting go that really is the most important part. Is, mm. Trust me, you have no idea how it's going to happen for yeah. you. So I'm at a party at my own house and a guest of ours, me and my boyfriend, brings a guest mm-hmm. who neither of us know. Um, she's Canadian. Oh. She lives in Vancouver. She and I start talking, and I tell her I'm a writer. And she's like, oh, I'd love to read something that you wrote. I'm a producer. I do independent producer, and, you know, I, I work in Vancouver. I'm like, Cool. Let me send you this project. It's called Golden Meadow. It's sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And she reads it, and then she calls me and says, I read it. I love it. And it's a feature film. Mm-hmm. I love it. I just worked on this show with this really amazing executive producer, showrunner, who is just so open and so cool, and I know he would love this. Mm-hmm. Can I give it to him? And I'm like, of course, sure, Sure. give it to him. So he reads it. His name is Glenn Morgan. He's an executive producer of The X-Files. Okay. So he reads it, and he says, and this was 2013, Mm -hmm. and he says, I love it. You should make it into a TV show. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally should do that. If I only knew how. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was a script you had written, basically, and it was kind of sitting on your shelf, but you had no real plans of I, showing it to anyone. I would have shown it to anyone. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have anyone to show it to. Okay. okay. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part, is like getting someone to read your shit. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. nobody wants to read even a book these days. Yeah, you know true. what I mean? Yeah. So... He's like, oh, I'll show you. I'll teach you how to make a TV series. And I was like, wow, are you sure you want to do that? Mm. Like, are you busy? And he's like, yeah, no, I love this. It'll be fun. And he's just a great 
person and he has become my mentor. Mm. But so he guides me through this process and then we just continue to work together. He hires me as the writer's assistant, showrunner's assistant for Amazon's series Lore mm-hmm. for the season one. Okay. Executive produced by Gail Ann Hurd, who's one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the X-Files comes up and he's like, look, it's like hardly any money because it's not to be a writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you want to come be the writer's assistant on the X-Files, and I'm like, ah, yes, please, I would love to. I don't care if it's, like, no money. I would totally do it. I did care because I pay my bills. You got to eat. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But so I do that, and then somewhere after a couple of weeks of doing that, they're like, do you want to write an episode? And I cried. I mean, I was just like, (laughs) yes, I do. And just to think that that came from sharing a script at a party at my yeah, house yeah, yeah, to yeah. someone I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. It just, it was in the cards for you. Like, life made it happen that way. I don't really know how things happen, mm. you know? I think you just have to keep doing what you love and trying to get people to hear you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. Was there a point where um, in writing or when you started to do production work as well, things were just not, you know, happening and you almost gave up? Was there a point where you're like, this is too difficult, the obstacles are too big, I'm going to do something else? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I think that once a month. (laughs) (laughs) Twice a month. I mean, I think I'm being... uh... Modest, I think that all the time. I mean, you know, look, I wrote an episode of The X Files. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't gotten another writing job. Mm. So what makes me right. keep going? Yeah. I mean, the maybe the good thing about me is that I've always had to work. Mm-hmm. I never had mm-hmm. anyone supporting me. Yeah. So, although it all it feels to me sometimes like I've always done my plan B. Right. I think that that has ultimately been the prep that I needed to get where I really wanted to go, mm. which is to be a showrunner. Mm-hmm. I want to write, direct, produce mm-hmm. a TV show. Mm-hmm. And you have to know production. Right. So I was a PA. I was a, you know, maybe was, you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. you don't have to. But it helps Um, if you do. It helps if you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Acting, studying acting, I love working with actors. And people complain about it a lot, too. Like, oh, actors, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I love it. Mm -hmm. I think it's so cool and fun. And it's so much a part of the writing and the directing of, like, you're giving them the story to show. Mm. So it really is the symbiotic relationship of, Mm -hmm. like, here's your story. Now you live it. Mm -hmm. And you get to work together on bringing these characters to life. Mm -hmm. So I I love all that stuff, Mm. I feel like, has brought me to this. And I don't think, I don't know how I would have gotten here without it. Right. Right. I just have no idea. Mm. Because I, I, I don't think I'm the kind of person who... 
you know, I never thought I would win the lottery. I don't mm-hmm. play the lottery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to, like, all of a sudden get some big something. Right. That's just not me. I know it. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, um, it's about hard work. Yeah. But I love working hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something I love about, like, just, like, working so hard for something yeah. and exhausting every part of you mm. and then you know that you did your best mm-hmm. how else do you know if yeah. you did your best yeah the world might not tell you yeah exactly it's not as simple as getting external accolades or yeah, yeah because yeah. The, the nobody people might not like it yeah people especially as an artist people might not like what you do yeah so you have to love it and mm. you have to inside say there wasn't one single other thing I could have done to mm. give this my all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And that's how you feel f- fulfilled yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. how, where I find fulfillment. Did you always know that or did you realize that kind of later in life after you'd worked for several years? Um, I don't, I've always been a really hard worker. So I know that I've always really loved that. Mm. I think there was a time in my 20s where I was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to be like sitting around being really cool. (laughs) And then somebody's going to be like, you're amazing. I'm going to just like give you the world because you're just so cool. <laughs> I, think, I think we all have a face like that in our 20s. Yeah, yeah you yeah, do. Yeah. You think that you really don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just yeah. like you, it's just like. Who you are. Yeah, just so appear to be. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think I thought that for a minute and then, um, you know, that was the title of, you know, I wrote a novel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very good, but I, but I wrote it. And it was 379 pages, Mm -hmm. and it was called The Idle Hope of Something Magical. Mm -hmm. And it really And it got published. Well, no. Oh, okay. No, it did not get published. I thank God, because it's (laughs) terrible. It's not terrible, but it's not that good. But, you know, but that wasn't the point, because what it taught me is how to sit down every single day Mm -hmm. at my computer... As if mm-hmm. I am being paid to be there and write, mm-hmm. whether I like it or not, mm. because nobody was waiting for this book. Mm-hmm. It wasn't giving me anything. Mm. In fact, it was like ripping my guts out trying right. to get it done. Mm. But that's what I learned, I think. Maybe that's when I learned that just you just like working hard because... After I wrote it, I was like, wow, that's okay that it sucks. I wrote a book. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's good. Yeah. Just putting the effort every day, day after day, writing and going to the end of the story and having a finished product. Yeah. Like, building a discipline. Mm. You know? And, I like, again, I had played sports. I knew that it required a lot to be good at something. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't think I ever thought that I was going to get away with faking it. I I think I knew that I was going to have to get every bit of 
experience and knowledge and info that I could mm. to be able to do something good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Did you have any role models either growing up or as you started your career writing, directing, and so on? Did somebody influence you? When I think of a role model, I think of somebody that I actually know. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be there to influence me. I mean, I have to say, you know... Or somebody who inspired you in the type of career you wanted. Yeah, I... Again, I I don't think I knew my true path mm-hmm. until this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we're speaking now. Ah, um and uh but i did you know look my mother was very um you know she was very dare to be different like mm. don't don't feel like you have to be like other people mm-hmm. you know um follow your heart mm. do what you want mm-hmm. like stand your ground you know yeah. my mom is very strong and I, she she always infused me with that you know be strong hey don't you tell them that you, you know, speak your mind and, you know, that that was something that I think really helped me along was that, you know, I didn't back down easy. If I believed in something, I would really fight for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my mom, you know, was that my, I, I mean, as far as like the, the filmmakers who I love or, you know, like I said, Gail Ann Hurd, um, I just was so impressed with her career and that she was doing sci-fi and, um, you know, really outside the box. Um, and there's not that many women in that That's genre. right. Absolutely. There aren't that many women in that genre. She was doing amazing, big things. I want to go back to um, something we were talking about before we started recording the podcast. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you were telling me about um, your boyfriend's niece. Oh, uh-huh. Who wrote a card to you and said, yeah. you're my role model. And, yeah. And, you know, I'm so happy to have you in my life. And yeah. you're, you're helping me I'm be who I am. <laughs> we'll find Kleenex somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then you said something interesting because, you know, you feel like most days, you know, who am I to, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said something like, yeah. who am I to inspire somebody? Yeah. You know, what have I done that's enough for this person? And I feel like a lot of women I speak to on this show have shared this, I, and I, I feel it myself. It's, I think we can call it imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. where we never feel as if we've made it or achieved it or have we have kind of this imaginary goal or threshold that we want to hit in our mind and whatever we do is never enough for ourselves it might be enough for the ex, you know the external world um so i want to talk about that a little bit because you've mentioned that you feel like this year finally you're kind of coming into your own and doing things that you feel were always meant for you yeah so is your perception of what you're doing and your value and your accomplishments is that changing now that you're finally um, kind of coming into your own in terms of your, your career? And I don't know if that question makes sense. Yeah, but. yeah. No, I mean, I think, um, and I think I said this earlier, like I had an idea of what success was. Mm. And it was a house, a nice house, money, a career where everybody like loves your work, um, I don't know, this idea of what success is. And, Mm. 
it's not success is not a place yeah. that you en- end up at you know or a hotel that you check into yeah. and you can like just be there like hey i'm here it's success i'm like living in it you mm-hmm. know that's not it it's like it's a long and bumpy and winding road that never ends mm. it doesn't there is no place at the end of it right. and i think i think that's what i learned this year when i was like wow i'm 46 years old and my whole life I've been doing all of these things that naturally brought me into this great joy and fulfillment with where my life is Mm. and I didn't plan it and I I didn't I, I, so many times I was like, oh, you're, you're, you're never going to do it. You're never going to get there. You, but I don't even think I knew where I was really going. Mm. And I think what, you know, like with my niece saying that, you know, and I've had all of these younger women friends in my life who have told me this. They've said like, oh, like, I just hope that I can live a life like yours. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> what? Like, I don't even own a home. Um, I, I'm, sometimes I'm unemployed. Um, I, like, what? Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. What yeah. is the life that you think? And I think I know what that is now. And mm. it's just allowing your inner self to guide you and being true to what you believe, mm-hmm. being a good person, so that y- you feel like you're living your best self. Mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Yeah. I mean, yes, I do want to make films that people watch, and I do still want to own a house. And who doesn't want money? Yeah. I mean, it's it just makes life so much easier when yeah. you don't have to worry about how you're going to eat, how you're going to pay your bills, Mm -hmm. you know. Of course, people want, everybody wants that. There's nobody that's like, nah, I don't want any money. That sucks. (laughs) You know, nobody's like that. But but that does not, it will not make you go to sleep with a smile and wake up with a smile. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, it's me. I get to wake up with me. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it it won't. Mm. It doesn't. And... I think that's what I've learned is that like I've been working really, really hard to be a, a, a human being, mm. work, relationships, um, you know, uh, just being a citizen in society, mm-hmm. being a better person. You know, if the environment is suffering, how can I help? Mm-hmm. If my neighbor is, is suffering, how can I help? You know, how can I work hard? How can I show the people that I really care about, that I care about them? Mm. Like, all of these things. That is what, to me, success is. Mm. Mm. It's so much simpler. And I I wish that more people understood that. Mm. Because I've spent a lot of nights sad. Mm. Yeah really sad Mm -hmm. and like thinking 
maybe not like I want to kill myself, you know, but thinking like it would be okay if I wasn't alive because I'm not a valuable person. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. Yeah. And it's it's so much suffering that if you knew that your greatest value is yourself mm-hmm. and what you can offer the world, your voice, your heart, your your friendship, your all of that stuff mm. is so much more important. Mm. But then you look around and you see like who our president is and you know, yeah. you see all these people lying and cheating and stealing and corruption and mm. and then you see some people who, you know, my my short film is a lot about how everybody as a human being, you want an opportunity. You just want to be able to try for a good life. Mm. And mm. you start taking that away from people, you give them no choice. Yeah but to do the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. And they want to live too. Mm. So of course they're going to do the wrong thing. Right. And all of this taking away from people and not letting them try, Mm. you know, so that rich people can be rich. It's just, it's what's creating the sickness. Yeah, yeah. It's the vicious cycle we're in. Yeah, yeah. And then impact on the planet and so on. Yeah. Mm. So mm. I think that's what I learned this year. You know, <laughs> is that like, oh, wait, I'm successful because I'm alive. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, being myself. Yeah. But it takes a long way to get there. Yeah, yeah it does. Because you have to sift through all the shit, yes. you yes. know. I was raised Mormon. I studied Buddhism. I, mm. you know, like... What religion am I? Yeah. What is my spirituality? Mm-hmm. These people tell me this. You know, when I, like, struck out on my own and I, like, left everything behind, I had one of my mom's friends tell me, you know, it's really hard to be a self-made person. And I'm like, what is well, what mean? other, yeah. 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 Well, I'm like, what other kind of person am I supposed yeah. to be? yeah. Like, made by, by other people yeah, are supposed to make me? Like, that's really confusing. Yeah. yeah. So that, I, I wasn't encouraged mm. by the outside world to, like, yeah. find my voice and be myself and stand up for what I believe in. Mm. No one said, like, yeah, do that. Everybody's like, don't do that. It's going to hurt. It's yeah. going to suck. Yeah. People might not like you. Yeah. Because that's how what happens. Well, and I think people give you the kind of feedback that they've been experiencing, right? So it's their fear, you know, speaking to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And they, and that that is what keeps people under control. Yes. And from yes. not presenting themselves mm. to the world yeah. is, you know, you should be afraid because if people don't like you, mm. you know, it's going to be really sad. Mm. And no guys are going to want to yes. date you, Yes, you know, with your big mouth. Yeah. And that's interesting because I find for women, that's part of the narrative that, you know, we tell ourselves or that we have other people, you know, telling us 
usually with good intentions. Yeah. Right? Ooh, you don't want to be too assertive or you don't want to be too independent because you're really going to... I had somebody tell me that. Oh, I'm you're sure. Really, you, you know, you can't be, you know, you can't have the big job and the title and you know guys who's who's gonna want to be with you yeah if, if you you appear like you don't need anything from anybody yeah i was like wait a minute am i supposed to be unhappy and sad and needy for somebody to want to like rescue me? like that i don't want that like why would a guy want wait a second i'm confused why would a guy want to be with me because i'm needy and sad and but then weak i see it in in i think there's men too who without even realizing it you know, buy into that narrative because that's been the under, you know, the kind of the secret rule for so long. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, women couldn't even own property. Mm -hmm. Up until recently. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or vote. I mean, it hasn't been that long. What, a hundred years? Yeah. Yeah. Women couldn't own property. not, Not even with voting. Yeah. I mean, you, women would have, the only way, like if, if I was married to a guy and he died in the war, or like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to slaughter some indigenous people, which is what they did back then, and take over the world. Mm-hmm. And he died, then I would lose my land. Yeah. Because yes. a woman couldn't own property. No. I mean, you think about where things started, and it's like, I mean, we, I mean, look, we've come a long way. Yes. But there's still so far to go. Yes. I mean, the Kavanaugh hearing Mm -hmm. for me this year was, it devastated me beyond, uh, I I had no idea it was going to crush me that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something I'd always kind of spoken to my boyfriends about too, is like, you don't know what it's like to be a woman and to have to be overly cautious, borderline afraid of men Mm, mm -hmm. because they will hurt you Mm. yes and they're like yeah that's crazy i don't even have any idea what that is yeah they just it's what we live on a daily basis without even thinking about it and that's the way the world is set up that's true so we're like fighting against that every day yeah you know i've been a female producer Mm -hmm. the producer on a film a feature film Mm -hmm. and i've had men like smoking cigars being like well we don't have to do that and i'm like "Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm the boss in charge well not supposed to be you are in charge i am in charge (laughs) i'm the boss and they're just like well i don't know and i would just be like i what what do i do Mm -hmm. do i like throw something at you yeah do i have Mm -hmm. to fire you I'm telling you, I'm the boss, do what I say, Mm. and still just gotten resistance. Yeah. And then I look like crazy. That's a classic. And I'm like, how am I crazy? He was smoking a cigar on my set, not Mm -hmm. listening to me. I'm the boss, you know? It's just like, you're fighting against that every day, all the time. Yeah. And it's like in your bones. Yes, yeah. So, like, without some kind of bone transplant, mm. we're, it's, it's built into us. Yes, yeah. You yeah, know? and I think it's been so many decades and even centuries yeah. of these patterns that I, both for women, for us, and for men who don't even think about it, yeah. it's ingrained in our DNA. Yeah, and evolution takes yeah. a long time. Exactly. 
you know, like wisdom teeth. Remember? Yes. Like we all yes. had them. Now we kind of don't. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? How yeah. long did that take? <laughs> a million years? So what's it going to be? A million years yeah. before women can... Look, I think it's just... It yeah. just makes sense. Yeah. But why would men give up their position of power? They're in power. Yeah. Yeah. Why would they just be like, you know what? You guys, you guys take it from here. Mm. No way. And what I've realized recently, too, because in speaking to a lot of women for the shows and different generations of women, too, right? There was something about, I think there's that certain generation of women who was, wasn't so keen, and I'm not putting everybody in the same basket, but yeah. wasn't so keen on helping other women or helping the younger generation, mentoring the younger generation. Also, mostly because they had to put up with such crap to yeah. get to where they got. Yeah. That, you know, out of survival, they didn't, you know, they didn't have the time or energy or the will to help somebody else because they fought for themselves. Um, but then it got me to just some conversations that I had where I realized it's also women among themselves fighting for whatever scraps of male attention or, you know, kind of, uh, well, really attention or love or, you know, whatever from from. Because we're all conditioned that there's going to be a, a man somewhere choosing a woman, whether it's in relationships or at work. And then we're competing against each other to get that scrap of attention. Yeah. Or but, to get that one job. Mm-hmm. There's only going to be one woman in this boardroom. Yes. So every single woman has to fight for that. Yes. There's going to be, like, maybe one guy who's going to like the kind of girl that you are. Yes. So you got to fight for that. Yes. I mean, I definitely, sadly, um, have had a lot of experience with that. Mm. Where the women are the one who, the ones who aren't supporting other women. Mm-hmm. And, and look, maybe there are some women who like the way things are. Yeah. They don't want to be an equal partner in a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. That that no one's trying to take that away from you. Mm-hmm. I but I think what we're saying, I think what a lot of people are saying, I think what, you know, with 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 any group of people, color, you know, creed, your religion, your uh, sexual orientation, whatever it is, they're just saying, or we're just saying, we just want the same equal rights. Yes. We, we're not trying to take anything away from no. you. We just want the opportunity. We just want the same opportunity that you have. Mm. That's it. Yeah. And that is so hard. Yes. I, I mean, I don't know what it would be like to be a white male and be like, well, I've got all the power. Mm. All these other people want it too. Yeah. White heterosexual male. Right, okay. right. Yeah. Um, uh, do I really want to? And then I'd get together with all my other white heterosexual male friends and I'd be like, hey, should we like. Yeah. Are let, we letting them in? Should we let them into like the yeah. club of people who like get all the shit in life? Yeah. Or should we just keep them down there? Because mm. we don't want to share. Yeah. Like we have all the control and all the money. How do you find, and you're obviously, you know, you're involved in, in multiple projects. It's the kind of work where it's not a nine to five situation. Yeah. How do you make sure you stay grounded, you stay focused, you stay healthy? Like, what are some of those habits that are important to you? Um, 
to feel like you're not going to be mean to someone and lash out at someone. Well, I think it is honestly really uh, like taking, like really checking in with myself mm-hmm. and saying like, am I like, where am I right now? Sometimes I know, like I'm a very high uh, functioning person. I yeah. am kind of high strung and I get stressed out really easily. Um I, I know this about myself. I that kind of stuff like that gets into my dreams. I have like mm. nightmares about work stuff and mm. you know what I mean? Um so I I definitely just have to realize that I do have a limited capacity for things. I can't do everything all the time. Mm. Sometimes I just need to like sit there and be quiet. Mhm and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes it's just like getting away from, from everything. Um, I don't, you know, I try to exercise and, and I try to eat really healthy and I, I really try to take care of myself that way, but even that isn't always the answer as just sometimes just like get away from everything. Mm-hmm. Turn your phone off sit in a room just be quiet Mm, mm -hmm. just don't feel like you have to answer to the world all the time Mm -hmm. you know like get a text message like you don't it doesn't matter you can answer that text message they can wait yeah and emails can wait and you know so i i feel like i've kind of gotten really good at being like oh shoot i'm gonna start freaking out about stuff and then i just take a time out like a little kid, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, there, there's something to it. Yeah. Like, mm. all right, go sit in the yeah. corner and just be quiet. You it's know? not your choice when you're a kid, but when you're older, you're... Yeah, yeah. That's it's actually you're a good deciding thing. for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sometimes your parents were right when yeah. you were a kid. Like, all right, yeah. you need a time out, you know? You need to go take a nap, you know? You're hungry, yeah. you know? It's like they could yes. see that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you're like, what? I've been going all day. <laughs> and then you're, you stop and your body's just like trembling and you're like oh i haven't eaten for like 12 hours yeah maybe i need some protein yeah exactly and some water water yeah which is like that's a hard thing to do sometimes it's unbelievable but you're like oh i haven't drank water in a day yes yes you know it's like wow that's bad yeah (laughs) yeah i'm made of water yeah exactly i'm gonna (laughs) need that get get to that next glass of water yeah um what's next from a professional standpoint and it sounds like a super exciting year, and the movies now, the short films now, past prod. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um. So what's what's next on the agenda? Um. Well, so I just started building my website, um, shannonhamblin.com. Perfect. It's Noting it pretty. Um, it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> just <laughs> shannonhamblin.com. Um, and you know what I'm trying to do there is just put together everything that I'm working on, all the stuff that I, I've done or that I'm doing. Um, the, the short film is in post-production. Hopefully that will be done by summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start entering that into film festivals, um, really try to get that out there. Hopefully that will get me mm-hmm. work. Look, for me, it's always about, I got to get a job. Mm-hmm. You know, what's my next job? You know, I love working. I want to work. 
I want to write. Mm-hmm. I want to work on a show. I want to direct. I want to. I want to do all that stuff. But in the meantime, it's like uh, the the short film is a big part of. I think. I hope getting me the next job. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm another part of my website. So the short film is Texas Two Step. Another part of my website is this gruesome heart, which was a a book of journal entries, poems, uh, stories, songs that I did um, 15 years ago, and I did a one-woman show based on it. Okay. So what I'm doing right now is I'm reaching out to women of all ages, and I'm asking them to read a different piece, Mm. um, video it, and I want to do a video library. So yeah, it's like, that. these are the pieces that I wrote mm. 15 years ago, but they still resonate with women of all ages today. Mm. And so here's women doing these pieces. Um, I'm, I'm going to start writing a new show, um, that uh, a new idea that I had. Um, and then, you know, I have these other projects. Um, TV series uh, that I've written, you know, it's, I have a manager, mm-hmm. um, so right now I'm really just trying to continue to build, you know, what I, what I do, mm-hmm. what I have to offer, the stories that I want to tell, which are, you know, stories about women mm-hmm. who are, you know, usually just kind of going against the grain mm, yeah and living their life the way that they want to mm-hmm. you know golden meadow is a female scientist it's all about evolution mm. and the planet mm. and the environment um but it's got a sci-fi twist okay um texas two-step is about two women who have you know had to grow strong in very different ways and they come together and help each other realize that sometimes we need other people Mm. you know like sometimes you feel like you just have to do it alone and then sometimes you just need somebody to be there for Mm -hmm. you and I think with women it's like I remember being a little girl and like holding hands with my friends and we'd like lay in bed and talk all night and I just there's something so intimate and close about your female friendships Mm -hmm. and your relationships yeah that I feel like a lot of times men don't get to have mm. in this society because totally. they're not allowed to show those feelings yeah. to each other and to yeah. be intimate that way. And I mean, especially as they get older, totally, you know. And it's I just think it's something that's so beautiful about mm. female mm-hmm. relationships. And I I wish that. I mean, it's hard to make those relationships when you get older, anyways. Yes. But I just wish that we could. I just want us to share more and mm. to be more open about our lives and be more vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And just be like, it's okay, I'm going to be here for you. Instead mm. of like, well, fuck you, good luck. Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. let's help each other, you mm. know? You know, there's a project that I'm working on that it's about a, a woman who just never wanted to have kids. Mm. And she's okay with it. She doesn't understand why everybody else is so... Is not upset Mm -hmm. about it Mm. you know it's just like it doesn't make me a monster yeah it actually makes me an environmentalist yeah (laughs) (laughs) but 
that's not that's not to say that other people shouldn't no, have for kids. someone else it makes perfect but sense. But why can't we talk about yeah. maybe some women don't want to have kids? Yeah. And that doesn't make them bad. Mm. You know, there's that stigma. I've had women be like, oh, you are really missing out on the greatest experience of yeah. your entire life. And I'm yeah. like, I, I don't want that. It sounds like the worst experience yeah. of my entire life. Yeah. It, yeah. For, it's, for you, it might be great. Yeah. But, but and I think if you, if on top of it, you're single, then it, then like you're really Oh, fucked. yeah. <laughs> then you're just like, you're just like some kind of like Frankenstein. Yeah. Like you're single and you don't have a baby. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. If you could go back in time, what's one thing you would change or do differently if you could? <sighs> you know, I have this tattoo on my arm. It says Amor Fati, mm-hmm. which is Nietzsche, and it means love your fate. Mm-hmm. And what it means is, um, and we used to talk about this, like live your life so that if you had to live it over and over and over again for all eternity, you would live it the exact same mm-hmm. way. So it's hard for me to answer that question. <laughs> That's the best answer. You know, because I just feel like I don't want to be anybody different than I am today. Mm-hmm. And if I went back and changed something, I'd be different. Yeah. And if we fast forward 10 years from now, looking back, what's the one thing? Maybe it's more than 10 years, but looking yeah. back, what's the one thing that you'll be the most proud of? Oh, well, I hope I haven't done it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this thing that I'm the most proud of is the last thing I do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said about success, like I don't want to get there. Yeah. I don't want to yes. arrive. Yes. I want to keep going. And then and then it's like even you're still going or like mm-hmm. that scene in Thelma and Louise where it's like mm-hmm. you just go yeah, right yeah, off yeah, the yeah. cliff yeah. because you're just still going. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon, for such a great interview. If you like today's show, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen to them. I'll be back next week with a new guest on the show. Thank you for listening.